Ron Van Dam. He's got what the kids call mad skills, which he thought meant he was really good at being angry about everything. Well, live and learn. This is the Ron Van Dam Show on New England Broadcasting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's the Ron Van Dam Show. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. You have entered the world of insanity on a very sane level. What does that mean? I have no idea. I read it in a fortune cookie. I think it was the opening to the Twilight Zone. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the outer limits, but here you go. All right, what I'm going to do here is talk for about half an hour, give or take half an hour, and your job is to sit there and shut up. I mean, it seems like it's an easier job for you, but believe me, it's my pleasure to hear people sit down and shut up. That makes me very happy. All right, all right. How are you on this fine day? Okay, uh, you relax and be quiet. Uh, you know, speaking of being quiet, there's a, um, I think it's called a Buddhist temple. It's a, it's a Thai temple. It's hard to, it's hard to say. It's a Thai temple. Uh, and I, and I don't quite understand what it is, but it's in a nearby town in Raynham, Massachusetts. And it's, a, it's in a very impressive piece of architecture. Uh, I believe it cost $50 million to erect this, this huge, huge temple. And it's, I guess it's like Buddhism in a sense. I'm not too sure. I don't really get it. I set up uh, a, a tour of the facility, which I'm going to take next week. So, Ron, why are you doing a show about it now when you haven't even toured the facility? Because that's the way I operate. That's the way I do things. It makes no sense. Uh, I, I am drawn to Buddhism, but I don't know what it is. And I'm not going to talk about religion today because that's something you really shouldn't do. Sometimes I get into it, but I usually pay the price when I do because it's a very sensitive subject for me, very, very sensitive, very personal. But anyway, that's not my point today. It's just I, I do find that I seek out one thing and one thing only in general, and uh, and it may be religiously connected, it may not, but my purpose is not for that connection. And that is the, I'm search for peace. It's, it's just, you know, when I was growing up, there was uh, John Lennon uh, with the Beatles, and he kind of uh, went in his own direction. He was just like, peace, man, peace on earth. And, and then Ringo Starr went that way, and the, the, all of them went that way. Peace on earth while you while you earn billions of dollars um, <laughs> performing. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it just because that just always rang great. I mean, if people were peaceful, and when you're peaceful, you you're you're laid back. You listen. Um, you participate without anger, without vengeance. What a wonderful concept peace is. But unfortunately, these days, and all through history, we can't handle peace. We don't know what to do with it. 
I do. I'll raise my hand and say, I know what to do with it. Do you? Most people can't. And as long as most people can't, we're screwed. And right now, we're screwed. So what you have to do is create your own little world in which peace resides. And anything outside of your peaceful world, you deny and you do not deal with. You can if you want. You can do it in a peaceful manner, quote unquote. But you don't have to get involved in all the little petty crap that's around you. And with social media and the uh, onslaught of communications and AI, I don't know what that means. I think I do, but I'd just rather say the letters. We are bombarded by these negative, horrible things in life. All the negative possibilities at your doorstep every day. So you have to set up your own, oh, let's call it um, emergency shelter. (laughs) You've got to put a mental dome around you and perhaps your family and those you love, but especially around you. Put this dome around you, not, not, not a real dome, you'd suffocate, even if you had ventilation. Not a real dome, although some people probably would do that. A mental dome, where if someone tries to get through that, that thick mental dome, where, no, there's peace in here and chaos outside of this dome, you don't let them in. And if they try to get in, you peacefully say, with respect to what you're saying, get out of my fucking dome. That's all. See how peaceful that is? Yeah, right. And of course, peace involves meditation where you lie down and you clear your mind like that's going to happen. And you listen to some peaceful music and you close your eyes and you try to clear your head of all that bombarding negativity that just keeps coming at you like gangbusters. And you picture a waterfall. I don't know what it is about waterfalling, but apparently... It's a peaceful thing. You're supposed to go to your happy place. I haven't had a happy place since 1974. There's a happy place on my body, but we really shouldn't be talking about this on this program. You've got the same happy place. May not be the exact same uh, place, but same location. (laughs) Talk talk about uh, destination weddings. Uh, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we all have to find our happy place, and it's usually a waterfall or some kind of thing involving water. Water is supposed to be, I guess, very, very uh, meditationally, and I don't know if that's a an adjective, uh, calming, calming, or an adverb, whatever, whatever. English, um, yeah. I was an English major, but um, turned into a, a minor, and then uh, nothing. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I've I've I, I know about uh, a little bit about Buddhism. Uh, there's a um, there's Buddha involved. Uh, Buddha looks like, and I'm not being I'm not being insulting. Buddha looks like a, uh, a character that decided um, I don't have to be skinny to uh, to be a religious figure. Uh, Buddha to me is a little overweight. I don't know. Maybe just that's the way the statue was carved. I don't know. But Buddha is like a devil may care, whatever kind of guy. See, to me, uh, peace is a whatever thing. 
No, Ron, we want peace on the earth and you have to demonstrate and protest for peace. That's kind of true, but at the same time, um, it's it's kind of against what you're talking about, you know. It's anti-establishment kind of stuff that you have to get involved, and when you get involved, that's not peaceful. So, no, no, no. I don't know. Anyway, so the but the Buddha thing always like drew me to like peacefulness, and I I love peace. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. A bunch of people sitting around not talking. <laughs> what are you kidding me? This is lovely. As I've said many times before, it's like the library. What a wonderful place that is. Not because of the books, but because people can't talk in it, or if they do, they have to whisper and respect the fact there's other people in the building. Oh my God, that's a religion in itself. Ron, what's your religion? Library. And I think they'd understand that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, am I on a, a path to discover Buddhism? No, no. I just like uh, the concept, that's all, and I can tailor the concept to my own liking, and that's what I'm going to do. <sighs> and I love Thai food. Anyway, Buddhism, man, yeah, right. And in this temple uh, of whatever this is I'm talking about, uh, people go and they quietly meditate sometimes in a group, sometimes individually, but they don't talk. They may moan a certain word or something. I don't know. I, I haven't been in one yet, but I, to me, I, whatever. I don't like moaning. I don't like moaning. I don't like people that moan, unless it's in sexual uh, satisfaction uh, toward my performance. But otherwise, no moaning. No moaning, please. That's a noise. That's, it's, it's a noise. No moaning, no farting. That's not peaceful to me. But... I guess there's a, a, I'll use the word cult, but it's not the proper word here because cult has a negative uh, connotation because it is a negative thing. But let's say grouping, let's say grouping. Um, and they are called monks, which is not short for monkeys. I thought that was when I was growing up and then I was corrected. No, it's not. It's that stupid, Ron. Just because it has the thing monk in it doesn't mean it came from monkeys. Well, what didn't come from monkeys? Perhaps we did. I don't know. Monks. They don't have to worry about what to dress like in the morning. They have a monk uh, kind of thing. Now, I don't want to wear the monk clothes because it looks um, looks like a lot, a lot to deal with. But I can have that kind of uh, um, attitude. I can, I can, I can do the attitude, right? I can do attitudes real well. Oh, I'm doing one now. I don't have to dress like a monk to be one. And that would be to just go through life uh, taking things in and filtering out the negativity and taking in the beauty of life. Isn't that what it's all about, kids? And I call you a kid. I don't care how old you are. You could be two years old. You could be 100 years old. You're a kid to me. We're all children of the universe. That's getting a little deep. Let's not go there. I want to be monkish. I want to be monkish. I really do. I want to. Uh, I want to live my life like a monk, where uh, if people ask me a question and I just stare at them and don't uh, respond, they say Ron must be a monk. Uh, and people respect the monks. Uh, they do because they are. 
again, not religious figures, but they are, they are people of peace. They're not going to hit you over the head with a candelabra in this study. They're not going to do that. They're not going to stab you. They're not going to yell at you. They're not going to curse. They're going to shut the hell up, and they're going to live their lives in a peaceful manner. You see, I believe that the human brain, especially as you get older, but even when you're a young adult, the human brain starts to deteriorate, as does the entire body. Ron, this is sad, I know. But we have brain cells. They can be active all through life. But you can't waste the brain cells on the crap. A lot of my brain cells are taken up by these negative crap things that have been bombarded upon me. I consider myself as an analogy. I consider myself a cell phone. I'm a working cell phone. Sometimes I don't turn on. Sometimes I'm hard to turn off. I'm a working cell phone. I got a lot of different things going on, a lot of apps in my body. Sometimes they require a little tweaking and going down to the app store or to the uh, cell phone repair location. That happens too. That's called uh, knee replacement. You know, a a little dirt on the screen, we call that a colonoscopy. It's the same thing. Uh, The the analogy, we are cell phones. But uh, there's information constantly being thrown at us to update us, to update, update our cells in our body, to update our brain cells. There's constant updates coming through. And most of them are to protect ourselves from the other things. They're security updates. That's what cell phones get constantly, continually. Well, that's what we get by the bombardment of negativity and information we don't need to know, too much information. It takes up all the cells, and I got no room for the cells that I want to use in a constructive manner. So I need to somehow mentally stop the bombardment, the bombardment. Oh, I can't say that. The bombardment, you see, that's what happens with the brain cells. That's an example right there, what just happened to me. Because my brain cells are overtaken by the negativity and the bombardment of, uh, of over, more information than, than I need to know that I can handle. I've done this before. I've, I've compared my brain cells to a parking garage. I only have a certain number of, of brain cells left, or even to begin with. And a sign, when, when you go to a garage and there's no more spaces in the garage, there's just no more spaces. No, you, you have, I have no room to park your car. We're, we're out of spaces. They put a sign out front at the entrance to the parking garage, and it says, uh, no vacancy, full. That's what we need to do. We need to put signs on our faces. I'm full. I have no vacancy. I have no space left. I have no space left. What happens with your cell phone or your computer? It runs really slow. It doesn't run well, either slow or inefficiently. That's our brains. That's what happens when you have too much in there. Your, your megabytes have, have been used up. I have, I have no more space for storage. So what do you do? 
you go into your computer, you go into your, your phone, and you clear the cache, not C-A-S-H, C-A-C-H-E. I know, sounds the same, spelled differently. I know it's fucked up. But that's what we do. We get rid of the temporary files that we're not using. You can see it on your computer screen or on your phone as you, as you clear it of all the, uh, all the information you don't need. And then once you do that, and you empty the, the trash, so to speak, then, uh, then your phone works really well. Your computer works really well because you got rid of all that stuff. Now you have space in it to take in new information. And the less information you have in that device, the faster it operates and the more efficient it operates. And that's what the human brain really is. In my estimation, even though I made that up, it makes sense. So... I am in a I am uh, in a conquest in 2024. Is that what year this is? Who cares? To build this dome. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to shut people out. It could, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. But I'm going to protect myself from the spam people. You know, spam calls. You get the calls trying to sell you stuff, trying to bombard you with stuff, trying to make you do something. I've I'm I'm doing a spam blocker in my head from information and when i turn on the news and they start doing this crap i'm going to block it out because i don't need it i have no space for it i don't want it it runs against my positive hopeful thinking kind of scenario that i'm trying to create here yeah and it works I've, i've got a call blocker little machine next to my telephone and when the phone rings i i have a house phone don't think don't think less of me. It came with the Comcast package. It came with it. It's free. So I went with it. So I have a I have a a landline, is that what they call it? Yeah. A house phone. Let's call it a house phone. I have it. And I got a uh got a spam blocker thing, a call blocker, I think they call it. And uh, when I'm getting a, uh, a marketing call or what they call a spam call, I hit this little red button and uh, it cuts the call off and they can't call me anymore. It blocks the call. That's what I need in my brain. I need that damn thing to be connected to my head. It's the same concept. It's not as simple, but it's the same concept. You're throwing something at me that I don't need. You're forcing it upon me that I don't need. Same as a spam call. You're forcing something upon me I didn't ask for. I don't want it. I don't need it. How dare you come at me with that? I need that call block in my head. And that's what I strive to do. So I'm thinking that this monk Buddhist thing can do that. I can mentally build this this dome of protection, this cone of silence. And that's what I seek to do. Am I a Sikh? No, that means something else. But I am seeking to build the mental dome. Some of you are probably saying, Ron, you know, this isn't a bad idea. Others are saying, I don't know how much longer I can hear him talk about this. Whichever way it is, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's helpful. I'm just trying to help. Some people come to me and say, Ron, why do you do the show that you do for so many decades? And my answer is, I don't know. 
I have a guest coming up momentarily. But before I do go to my guest, which um, will happen, by the way, it, it will happen. Uh, I do have uh, hmm, a commercial break. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That thing you've been looking for is on sale this week at Whatchamacallit's, your one-stop shop for that stuff you need. Get that round thing for the sink, two for just $6.99. Who's-a-majigs that go on the door, just $3.99 each. The stuff that gets stains out of stuff that comes in that big blue bottle, you'll find it for $5.99 at Whatchamacallit's. The doodad that goes in your car, like the one Gary has for his Jeep, you know the thing, it's like squarish and purple. It's on sale this week for just $49.99. And the thing that, you know, you use to get the, the stuff down from like the shelf or the closet, the grabby thing, two for $10.99. This week only at Whatchamacallit's, your one-stop shop for that stuff you need. We're located over by that pizza place near the cinema that you like, Whatchamacallit's. Nizar Ibrahim joins us now, and we're talking about something that uh, a lot of kids and a lot of adults uh, are fascinated with, and that's dinosaurs. It, it's, it's just always brings us into it. Uh, he's a dinosaur expert. Uh, thanks for being with us today, Nizar. Thanks for having me. What is it about dinosaurs that, that keeps us like so hooked into the subject matter when dinosaurs aren't even here? <laughs> well, I think that's part of their appeal, right? Um, you know, when we look at fossils, we see these incredible, you know, ghosts from deep geological time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our imagination runs wild, right? Because we see these incredible towering skeletons. Um, so that's certainly part of their appeal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like real-life dragons, Yes, in a way they are. are. Are they related to birds? I, I've heard controversy on that. Well, that's that's um, a good point. And I was going to mention that when you said, well, they're not around anymore. <laughs> the thing is, um, when we think of dinosaurs, then, you know, we think of extinction, right? Yes. Um, but we now know that many dinosaurs were feathered. So you could... Um, uh, see, um, you know, if you look at images um, of Velociraptor, for example, mm -hmm. um, accurate reconstructions would show Velociraptor with feathers. Um, other dinosaurs had feather-like um, integument. So um, we know that, that some dinosaurs were feathered. We know that dinosaurs share unique features mm -hmm. in their anatomy with birds. And we now know that birds are direct descendants of, um, a small, uh, of, of a group of small predatory dinosaurs. So scientifically speaking, we can absolutely say that birds are dinosaurs. Wow. They're not just kind of related to dinosaurs, they are dinosaurs. Wow. And there are more bird species in the world today than there are mammal species. So in some ways, you could even say we're still kind of in an age of dinosaurs. In a, in a way, yeah. Now, but were dinosaurs mammals or, or cold-blooded, warm-blooded? Which were they? Well, so dinosaurs are reptiles. Uh -huh. um, and so when we look at modern-day reptiles, we see very different kinds of animals, right? Mm -hmm. um, we see um, animals with a sprawling gait. Right. And they are, you know, quote-unquote, um, cold-blooded. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas with dinosaurs, we see that um, most of them have fully erect limbs, right, that yes. are stuck right under the body. Um, we see very active animals, very agile animals. 
And we now know from a number of different lines of evidence that um, many dinosaurs were almost certainly warm-blooded mm. and had a, a very high metabolism, um, higher than that of many mammals and comparable to what we see in birds, which, again, is, shouldn't come as a surprise because mm. we know that you know, birds are dinosaurs and they are warm-blooded. So with dinosaurs, we were always kind of stuck there because we thought, well, they're reptiles, right. but you know, birds are dinosaurs, so we've got right. both ends of the spectrum there. Right. We now think that, you know, many dinosaurs were um, warm-blooded. Some of them may not have been, um, but um, uh, the predatory dinosaurs like T-Rex and Velociraptor and so on certainly were warm-blooded animals. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how, how we, we're familiar with dinosaurs, but we know nothing about them as far as the, the legends are concerned. There's still people that think of the Flintstones where there were uh, barbaric uh, humans and cavemen, and then there were dinosaurs outside of the cave. That's still like I think the majority of people think that's the case. Do you find that to be true as well? <laughs> well, it's it's a strange one. I mean, I think it's 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 odd that someone would look at the Flintstones as a documentary film, well. <laughs> but, um, but it it does happen. And the thing is. When you, think, when you think of the timelines involved, here's something to blow your mind. Yes. Um, so if you kind of look at the timeline and you look at dinosaurs from, say, the Jurassic, like uh, the Stegosaurus, right, yes. with the big plates on its back, and then you look at the T-Rex from the very end of the Cretaceous. T-Rex is actually closer to us in time than it is to Stegosaurus, right? Wow. Um, so when you think about these, these huge timescales involved, um, yeah. And, and of course, you know, the tens of millions of years um, have passed after yes. the extinction of animals like T-Rex before humans enter the scene. Yeah. So it's kind of like an odd, uh, you know, it's kind of like merging all of prehistory into one slice of time, I, you know, I, where yeah. you have you know, cavemen and dinosaurs. Um, and, and it's a vast story, right? Because... You know, when we think of prehistory, you often have these kind of very vague ideas of, of you know, kind of primeval uh -huh. Earth, right? But the reality is that, um, you know, our planet is 4.6 billion years old. We, um, and 99.9% and .9 of all the organisms and all the ecosystems that ever existed are extinct, right? Yes. So, uh -oh. you know, the majority <laughs> of life on Earth is really all the stuff that happened before we even appeared on the scene. It's, 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 I, I don't think the mind can, can really conceive that tens of millions of years have passed since... Yeah, uh, since it's a bit like them. when you think about the size, it's a bit like when you think of the size of our universe, right? Yeah. We can't really wrap our heads it's around a, that either. Yeah. And the dinosaurs existed for millions of years, and we haven't been around all that long ourselves. Yeah, we're not doing too well, I think, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's the bottom line. <laughs> and I, I think I kind of knew yeah, that. Yeah, we can I learn a thing or two from the dinosaurs, I yeah. think. I, I, I think when someone, when, some, when someone digs up our fossils, um, our time on planet Earth is not yeah. a success story, I think. Yeah, it's probably going to be a little pinhead of, the, of, of everything else. Um, okay. There is uh, actually there's a, there's another uh, line of books coming out. Uh, Nat Geo Kids is uh, does a lot of uh, these these types of uh, books, and uh, another one's come out on the dinosaurs. I understand. 
Yeah, they have uh, um, you know lots of amazing books on dinosaurs. And when I say amazing, I say that because I was a scientific consultant for several of them. Ah. Ah. <laughs> and um, they're great books. They, you know, I just finished working on a book on on a book on on T Rex. Um, there's a book on dinosaur records. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of amazing um, um, topics to explore, and that's really the best starting point, I think. For kids, I mean, that's how my interest in dinosaurs started, right? Started with a book. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's really the best thing you can do if you want to nourish, um, you know, your kids' interest in, in all things prehistoric. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, and I think it also helps uh, a person understand the timeline of, of existence of things on this planet. I think that's also an important yeah. way of introducing that as well. Wow. I think that's important for kids and adults, right? Because um, it teaches us some humility, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think we always believe that we're super special and important, but then when you look at the, the bigger picture and the grand scheme of things, yeah. then you, know, you realize we're not really that big a deal. <laughs> well, I mean, we can be amazed at, at valleys and, and chasms that are carved out over, over the centuries, but to, to find a dinosaur bone uh, that's millions of years old, geez, I mean... That's got to blow your mind. It does. Every time I, I find a fossil, it's a magical moment, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're looking at something that nobody else has ever seen before. Yes. And it's just, it, it allows me to become a real-life time traveler, right? So, you know, it doesn't have to be a dinosaur fossil. So, for example, here's, here's one thing that I think is always amazing. You know, I do a lot of field work in the Sahara Desert. Um, one of the driest, most inhospitable places you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And when I'm out there, I find giant fish scales. And those fish scales tell me that this place was full of water at some point, right? It was yes. a river system. Yes. And that's just incredible, right? To, to just, you know, and then in your mind, you really can travel back in time. It's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed that uh, there's a grocery store where, there's a McDon- where the McDonald's used to be. I, I still can't get over that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess things change. Uh, all right. Uh, how do we get a hold of the book? And uh, is there a website where we can follow this? Sure. Um, one of the best places to start would be on kids.nationalgeographic.com slash animal slash prehistoric. Um, you can find out more about the latest discoveries. You can find out more about Dinomania. And you can find out more, most importantly, about the incredible range of books on dinosaurs they have. Um, so that's really your go-to place for all things dinosaurs. Beautiful. Nizar, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating. We appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for me today. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new program, but until that time arrives, I really do wish you peace. Peace.